This is Power of the Streets, a podcast series brought to you by Human Rights Watch about how we speak truth to power. I'm your host, Audrey Kawire Wabwire, based in Nairobi, Kenya. In the series, we've been speaking to some of the people driving Africa's Me Too movement. But we're not done yet. In this episode, we're taking the conversation to Ethiopia. Everyone we speak to in the series has a second, a minute, or an hour when they realize that they need to make a change. The moment when they decide to step up and rise. I think growing up, I've been really conscious about um, things that surround me. Like, I've been politically very conscious. I think I can say I've been conscious because I grew up in that kind of household. Uh, but yeah, that like first year in the university doing my undergrad was my working moment. I can say that for sure. Ruth Yitbarek is a 24-year-old activist from Ethiopia. She's the campaign manager for the Yellow Movement, a university-based student movement that addresses issues of gender-based violence. In this podcast, we are talking about the actual moment in time when someone decides to stand up against injustice, maybe through a movement or an event, you know, maybe through a hashtag. And you're an activist, Ruth, and you've been part of a major women's rights, you know, women's rights movement, the Yellow Movement. And you also work with UN Women and other platforms pushing for women's rights. What led you to activism? Um, I guess on my, like, I, I grew up in a very feminist household uh, to begin with and also you know I went to all girls school so I, I th- I've never been conscious about my gender or like you know if I'm a woman or a man I've never been conscious and we call that privilege right so when I joined university I went to Makale University and I had a very uh, I don't know how like very bizarre moment people actually are women and men like you know for me that was a new thing uh, so like first i think our teacher gave us this assignment saying describe your future husband or describe your future wife and the way they described their future wife was really shocking for me and like gender was a very very big thing in the university and people are you know discriminated like based on their gender and people like come from very remote area and i said you know ruth you have been privileged enough but it's time to say no. So when you say you grew up in a feminist household, how was it exactly? How was your interaction with your siblings, your family? What exactly do you mean? I've like I only have one sister and also like in our house my mom is a litter and again my dad is um he's also an educated person. Like he he like he have never made us aware of if we are a woman or if we are a man. He just like raised us or like our family raised us to be good humans, to like, focus on our education, to focus on like, you know, what we want to become. You know, in our house, like talking about period was a very normal thing. Uh, talking about different things was a very normal thing in our household. So, yeah. Oh. So we have never had a gender role. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's that's really interesting. So maybe we talk about the Yellow Movement. Uh, it's, it's a movement in Ethiopian universities. How did it start and how did you get to join it? Uh, so the movement I'm part, like Yellow Movement started, I think, 10 years ago. It was from, uh, it was started, a, a yellow, um, 
a law school teacher and her students started it. There was this case, case Abarraj. She lost uh, her husband, killed her in a street uh, on a daylight on like a public street. So she was shot. And, you know, like whenever this kind of thing happened, there is a public outrage. Everyone would be so angry. People would like, you know, will start condemning it. But then whenever, like, you know, it just ceases. So he said, like they said, you know, we're going to be a small but consistent voices. Uh, we're going to raise, we're going to talk about gender inequality daily. We're going to talk about gender-based violence daily. We might be small, but we're going to be consistent. So that's the main idea behind Yellow Movement is that. And how I joined it, um, one of the founder, the, the law teacher was Belaine Sahalu. She's someone I really look up to. She's like, you know, my role model, my mentor, my... So she was on Twitter and she was um, she was active. And there was this, I don't know if uh, so Zonainers were a blogger uh, and they were detained in Ethiopia. So Blaine was really active and she was she used to you know talk about them, do campaigns for them. And I was really interested. I was grade 12, I remember. So I was really, um, you know, I was really interested. And one time I went to the court to see their to see their case. And like I met Belaine there and she invited me to a book club. Uh, it was a, a year that I was going to join the university. I think it was around June, and I joined the university in, on September. So I met Belen there. I met the Yellow Movement team, and they were like, you know, very young feministists. Uh, and they know I, I was really impressed by how well they know what they want. Uh, I think we read The Alchemist. She invited me on a book club. It was The Alchemist. And all of them, uh, they knew what they wanted. They, was, they were very articulated. On like on the things that they want, and I said, "Oh my God, my friends are very bright. They're like, but they were different. You know, first they were university students, or like, yeah, they were much older than me. But then, uh, I was really impressed by how well they talk and how well they express themselves. And I said, hmm, this is interesting. I want to join. Huh? That, that that's amazing. So, this movement is is trying to make sure that people. Uh, hear about you know gender based violence every day and women's rights. So what exactly do you do? So in the yellow movement, one thing we do is table day. So we have table day every week. Uh, we talked about we talk about different things. So we raise different issues. We also have a book club. We also have a month yearly campaigns. Uh, we have um, monthly campaigns. So we have this kind of things. We also have different programs, mentorship programs. We have scholarship programs. Uh, for women so, so the those programs seem you know super interesting and they're really going in the right direction what impact has the movement had to date and where do you think it's going um i think one of the impact that we as whenever something happens people say where are the yellow movements and I, I like you know i think our name is bigger than, than us i've always said that oh really uh yeah it's bigger than us how so um you know people forget that it's just like student movement it's like they forget that's a student movement they think that it's led by you know all these big older professionals who you know all yellow movement members are volunteers we are under the Addis Ababa university and under from the Macal university and you know they're volunteers they're students most of them are students and as we finish the school we are mentors and but like the the members like the volunteers are students are law students 
like uh, sociology student and you know they're very bright uh, they give everything that they have for the movement and i see i think by now most people know about the yellow movement if they're like you know if they're conscious if they know what's going on around at the same other parts of here but they know about the yellow movement and i think our for example our scholarship program have made a very huge impact the um, one of the things that we did was know your rights we made sure that everyone that joined the university knows about the code of conduct and we revised the code of conduct at the university code of conduct uh, we have yearly activisms uh, so these are like you know one of the things that we made really huge impacts on i was i i read a story um on, on violence against women um a while back this article on buzzfeed i think a year ago which was talking about the surviving r kelly documentary so so you know r kelly the musician and uh you know he was abusing girls black girls in the us for many many years and the article was discussing how this documentary and the discussions around it was integral to the me too discussions among um ethiopian communities both at home and in the diaspora uh, tell me about this so yeah i think it, it happened a year or two years ago and there was this whole um me too movement in ethiopia it started i think shades of injera they're the one who started it um i think the con- the conversation have been going on a lot and but i think the in- the internet community was really Mm, surprised by the by the stories that came out and for me one of the best things that came out of that was i don't know if you know but kalela kalela parents guide uh, to protect their kids uh, from gender based violence so is this a, a is it government led or is it a group what, what, what? no it's just a individual initiative her name is salam musi she is a media and gender consultant and she started it with her friends and i think a year um, a month or two ago they published their first um, guidebook for parents to protect their kids from gender based violence and sexual exploitation so that was one of the one of the very good things that the me too movement in ethiopia brought it also opened a very good discussion uh for the online community to talk about gender based violence to talk about you know uh our abusers are not um are not monsters they are like the people we interact with every day uh they are our family they are our friends uh so we know them we have talked with them so and that is a very good thing to know this was an eye opener thing for most ethiopian online community so why do you think you think there's a me too movement already in ethiopia um but this really brought the discussion online in a different way why do you think people were surprised first we don't talk about this i don't know in like in other cultures but in ethiopia abuse is not something that you talk about on a daily basis you know either you get shamed by it or and but you don't talk about it and when you talk about it people take it as you know why are you always crying it happens to everyone you know uh most of the abusers are someone that someone like you know people that we call family family friends and uncles so i think people were really surprised by that and the i think the stories that came out were really overwhelming uh they were really heartbreaking you know yeah yeah i i remember um reading those stories and it was 
heartbreaking and shocking at the same time. Um, so speaking about the pandemic we are going through right now, it's really restricting us a lot and changing the way we are living. But as you said, there's also, you know, a conflict going on and, uh, you know, we don't know what will happen, um, especially in many regions in your country. Um, we know that during conflict and when there's a disease outbreak, women are usually uniquely affected because we experience a whole other layer of violence. Are there any patterns of violence that you're witnessing in these times and how are you as activists organizing around this violence yeah the the conflict that's going on was really personal because i went to school in makala university in Tigray region and it was personal for me and my families were there so not something very personal and there was also information uh, internet shutdown so we didn't know what was going on but you know it's expected whenever there's a war there's going to be a rape it's it's just like it's never going to be separated um yeah so it's really heartbreaking uh, there are lots of stories that that are coming out uh, lots of you know people are complaining of rape gender based violence like uh, physical violence emotional violence it's well, it's really heartbreaking what's what's happening in Tigray um lots of stories are coming out people are still they don't have access to bank people are still don't have access to you know food sanitation sanitary products so like most great activists are organizing i don't know if you've seen reports from unhcr wfp but women are facing lots of challenge in this area so i think the great activists um are organizing and calling out this activists in Ethiopia and around like women activists are calling out this and they're also organizing in uh, collecting stuff uh, sanitary products to go to the affected region but one of the main the main problem is most blocks roads are closed so there is no way things um, things like things can go through that humanitarian aid can't go so yeah, that's happening. And activists, activists, particularly activists, are calling this out. Uh, are you know asking the government, asking different women officials to you know, to talk about this, to condemn this, also to do something about it. Even you know, m- many many young Africans are now using the internet as a tool to organize and you know to spread the message and you know just push the movement forward. But we are seeing many governments now shut down the internet when whatever they feel like, really. So how do these shutdowns affect the work of human rights, the work of activists? Really, it really affects us, you know. There was no internet for the, like, you know, for a month in Tigray. So, like, people don't have source of information. They don't know what's going on. The government can do whatever it wants because there's no one watching. So there's no one calling things out. So it's like, you know, they do this intentionally. Whenever they close the internet, like it's because they have something to hide. Uh, so yeah, it really affects human rights work. It really affects activist work. Um, yeah, I mean, like it, it makes you even frustrated. You know, like so many times you might say there are lots of again disinformation, misinformation coming out of Facebook or so in the internet. But again, it's really important to organize. It's really important as a source of information. It's also really important to let the world know what's happening to let to push the government to ask the government on 
what why are they doing the things they're doing yeah and as we're talking about information and how you know it, it really informs human rights work and and pushes the movement forward i know one of the things you care about a lot is data statistics of reporting when it comes to gender-based violence and this conversation is usually driven by people when they choose to speak up now you know mainly when they feel safe to but there's still a disadvantage of official data um, because if I speak up for example I can give my example in Kenya um, sexual harassment uh, talking about that you'll get lots of blowback online offline it's not you don't get lots of support the you get a lot of blowback um but you're doing a lot of work around official data of gender-based violence why do you think this is really important um like one of the things that we really have to focus on as a movement in Ethiopia or also as a movement in Africa is um, informed advocacy and data data-based like advocacy. Uh, when we can do that, I think we can really really influence uh, policymakers. We can influence um, you know the government. We can influence real conversation. But people should know what that what's happening out there. People should know that you know we're just not talking just because we're angry, uh, just because we hate men. We're talking about things because they're happening out there and we're, we're losing so many lives we're because of the things that are happening out there. So I think one of the things that we really have to focus on is data and that database at OKC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I know you monitor the media a lot and uh, you, you, you've written about how the media shapes narratives on gender equality, violence against men, women. You made a presentation about this in 2019. Tell me about this discussion. What was what led you to do this? One of my friends pushed me to do this because um, media in Ethiopia is really sexist, to put it in a simple word. It's sexist uh, in two ways. Uh, one, uh, the way it narrates, you know, women are only... Women experts are only called whenever there's a there's a woman issue. That is whenever there's gender based violence issue. Whenever it is, but like you know, peop- there are women economists, there are women you know politicians working on different things, and gender is not something. It's not something alienated. It's very weird and so many uh, policies, so many activities, so many conversations, political conversations. So, but you know, it's no whenever there's an inflation. It's, it's the guy with the suit that's called to to do a presentation about it, to talk about it. And whenever there is a gender-based violence, it's a woman that's called. And we have to call this out. Unless otherwise we see things on a different lens, on a feminist lens, we can never bring true change. One is that the, the second is the way women portray in Ethiopian media is um, that the, t- the typical uh, stereotypical woman you know the one that cleans the one that cooks the one that take cares of the family uh, but um yeah that's it that's the only way the media the music portrays it the, the the movies the ads that's the way they they portray it and on the other hand whenever there's a gender-based violence case whenever um it's not, the media doesn't give it enough attention 
this is very heavy work that you're doing in a conservative society. How does your family, your friends, the people you interact with, how do they respond to you? Mm, I think my close, close friends are also very active and very vocal. Uh, so I, I can say that. Uh, again, my family are happy. Uh, like, they're supportive. Uh, it's like, you know, people you interact with on occasional basis that have... Um, negative comments about this kind of thing but other than that i choose my circle very wisely so you know choosing your circle wisely is a way to take care of yourself what else do you do to just unwind and you know come out from the daily push of activism ah for example now i i was like you know there there are lots of things happening but i i'm not saying anything because I know some people are actually saying so many things about it and because you know I, I, I need to be okay I need to be the way I I learned this was in a very hard way so I just want to keep on learning and how to say we'll take a break and you can do better next time like every battle is not your battle every battle is not something you can win or fight it's, it's okay to take a time off and reflect on yourself and come back strong and I, like for me, choosing your circle is really important. Um, you need to have um, a very supportive, like you need to have a very strong support system to 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 make you go forward and to take care of yourself, to to make you accountable even for things that you do in a good way. So you know, many young activists are working across the continent on the Me Too movement. What message do you have to inspire them? Be conscious, um, question your privileges, um, forgive yourself. Why did you say question your privilege? I, th- I think, um, for for example, living in Ethiopia, like I was born and raised in Addis Ababa, and I can, ne- I can never speak for the Oromo, uh, for or the Oromo woman, like the Oromo woman. So I need to question my privilege, and I can never say, you know, I'm 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 in Ethiopia, and I can like I'm Ethiopian, I'm not an Oromo, or you know, I'm I'm Ethiopian first. I don't see my ethnicity that much. That's privilege for me to say that, you know, uh, people are identified as Oromo first for the for so long they can't say they are Ethiopian first, and they can't say they are like they, they have been identified as Gambela for so many years. They can't say I'm Ethiopia first. So we have to question our privilege. If our concerns are coming from a point of privilege or our actual concerns. And it's something that I'm learning recently. Um, where can we find information on your work and the Yellow Movement online? So I think you can find Yellow Movement on Yellow Movement AU Facebook page, Yellow Movement uh, Twitter page. You can email us at the Yellow Movement AU at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram. So these are the, the platforms that you can find about Yellow Movement. You've been listening to Power of the Streets, a podcast series brought to you by Human Rights Watch. I'm Audrey Kawire Wabwire. That's the end of our show. Check out our show notes for more about Ruth and her work at the Yellow Movement. In the next episode, we take the conversation to Mozambique.
To learn more about Human Rights Watch, visit hrw.org and follow us on Twitter at HRW and on Instagram at Human Rights Watch for updates about the show. Join the conversation using the hashtag Power of the Streets and share your thoughts with Ruth or any of our other guests and you can tell us how you're speaking truth to power. Our producer is Andy Siwe May, and this is a volume production. The main theme song, Au Revoir, is produced by Young OG Beats. Till next time, thank you for listening.